Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts, the Wednesday edition of Two Foreign Drafts. Mike, we're doing a podcast every day. It feels like I can barely sleep. The draft is tomorrow. Are you hyped or are you hyped? This is, it feels like Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, yeah. That Christmas morning. Tomorrow will feel like Christmas morning when it's actually, you know, the day of. But <laughs> I'm pretty hyped, man. I, I it's, it's almost a struggle to do work right now. Like I have to write stuff. I don't. I just want to watch these guys and then know where they go. So, yeah, it's been tough, man. It's I'm super excited about this class. I, I'm really excited about the cornerback group, wide receivers, offensive tackles. I'm excited to see which players go in the first round that shouldn't. The Isaiah Wilsons of the world are going to happen. You're going to see this happen again in this first round, which would be a lot of fun to watch. We are also giving away our Edge monthly subscriptions today. I've received all the emails after this podcast. It'll be my number one priority to randomly select from the I think I had over 200, 250 emails, the Edge oh, monthly wow. subscriptions. I'm going to be giving away. It'll be fantastic. Can't wait to do that after this podcast. For now, it is the Mailbag Podcast. You you tweeted out recently, early this morning, Mailbag Pod. We had a lot of replies there. Going to answer all of those questions as quickly and as efficiently as we can. And then we also received a handful of email questions that we will get to later in the podcast. It's going to be a speed round, baby. We're going to be in and out of these questions quickly, but should be a lot of fun. Mike, you ready to rock? Yeah, I so I'm coming in fresh to these. I didn't if you ask something that requires some prep, I'm sorry. I am not prepped. I wanted to give you guys my thought process and shoot from the hip on these. So that's where we're at. I'll help out where I can. I feel like I can make some plays here, too. Starting with Jeff here, three mid round press coverage cornerbacks. You think could be good value picks <sighs> mid round press coverage. See, that's the thing. Mid round press coverage is almost like it doesn't exist. Those guys don't last into the mid round. Uh, if you're a really good press corner, I will say, uh, I think Troy pride can get the job done in that regard on the outside, the Notre Dame cornerback. I think he'd be a man corner on the outside. I think Bryce hall is press, but not necessarily a man press corner, the Virginia cornerback. Uh, so I think those guys would be both mid rounds. And I think Parnell Motley, if we're going to go even deeper, Oklahoma cornerback, he has some of the best press technique of anyone in this draft class. He's just a bad athlete. So he'll last late in the draft, but he has press ability as well i mean i also think there are some slot cornerbacks that'll be available in the mid-round that can hang at the line of scrimmage with some of the slot receivers at the next level not you don't place uh press a ton in the slot but guys like Kayvon wallace darnay holmes amik robertson i mean amik can play press on the slot all day long so i think there is some Mm -hmm. there but if you're looking for a press man outside corner you're going to need to draft him inside the top 15 that's where it's going to have to be because i think those are obviously really highly coveted in today's nfl jeff again he's i'm going to give him a double question here late defensive lineman that green bay should target that they have a chance that has a chance to make an impact who that's interesting um lucky foe too i think could I, I think they need just some beef to stop the run there lucky foe too, the utah defensive tackle could make sense there bridge and roy baylor defensive tackle uh i'm a fan of tr tart the fiu defensive tackle late in this draft those are three names i'd throw out there as guys who you can maybe throw in and plug some holes in the run game I mean, if you want beef, girth, plug holes, John Pinacini of Utah is probably where you'd go. I mean, I I like that guy a lot, too. I think he's a sleeper if you're looking for um, a a run first type Mm -hmm. of defensive tackle late in the rounds. All right. Nate Doggy Dog. What are your thoughts and grades on Matt Peart? I don't know if it's Peart, Peart, Peart. I don't know. The left tackle. I've heard Peart. We'll go Peart. The UConn offensive tackle that Bill Belichick, and I've said this before, was glue- he had binoculars on this guy and he was standing 10 feet away mm-hmm. on Matt Peart at the senior bowl. Was big on him. He's got l- long arms. You've heard very good things about his tools. 
But what are, what are your thoughts on him? I was going to say, if he was 10 feet away, that means Pierce could probably reach out and touch him with how long <laughs> those arms are. He had the longest arms of any guy at the combine. Uh, he just, he's not, he's not super strong. One is a big thing. Like his play strength now it improved a lot last year, but I don't, I think he still needs to get stronger. And two, he's just not agile. Like he doesn't have the agility, but I think with his length and the fact that we've seen him improve a ton already over the course of his career at UConn, like he's intriguing to me in the third round, like in the third round, top of the fourth, because of how premium tackle position is, he offers more than your usual project because I think you've already seen him pass protect fairly well. Where do you think he gets drafted? I think he might end up going second round. I was going to say second round. Rich, it, boy. It'll be a reach in the second round, but I, I all it takes is one and a team to fall in love with those long arms. I think you could see him go off the board in the second round. This one's from Steve Palazzolo, PFF underscore Steve, who was the most fun to watch this draft season. Obviously a, a constant listener to the pod. We make fun of those Man. who just say fun to watch with podcast uh, for prospects, but I do like the question. So I always love offensive linemen that just dominate. So Makai Becton or Natani Muti, both those guys are get the hashtag fun to watch uh, label applied to them. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it a tie. Those two. I'm trying to think who I think is fun to watch. I mean, I like watching Jalen Johnson's tape a lot only because it's just those instinctive players that you can yeah. see playing on the back end are a lot of fun too. Obviously at least fun to fun to watch kind of gets constantly tied to the guys who are super physical or tough or chirpy, but like guys that really understand the game, I think can be a lot of fun to watch as well. Uh, where would Jamar chase the LSU wide receiver rank in this wide receiver class? See, I still like Judy better than Jamar Chase. I think he'd slot right in between, even though it's like a sliver between them on our board. I'd slot him right behind Jerry Judy and in front of CeeDee Lamb. That's where I'd put him. I just think Judy like is on a different level the way he moves. But yeah. Chase is super physical for our only a true sophomore. That doesn't get brought up enough. Like everyone says speed and big playability, but like I've been watching a lot of Jamar Chase for some of this draft class. Like he's very physical at the line of scrimmage, could win with his hands. And like yeah. I did not expect that going in just based off the hype I've heard and the highlight reel and stuff. I did not expect to see him winning in press with physicality. Like he surprised the shit out of Trayvon Diggs in that game. Oh, Diggs absolutely. Thought he was, Diggs just like beat up every wide receiver he faced across from him this past year at the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, Chase just threw him to the side and he didn't know what to do. Yeah. So. Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs sent me a DM, said he had a good game after I sent out that tweet about uh, J- Jamar Chase going going in on Trayvon Diggs. All right. This one's from Setting the Edge. I have 11 defensive ends graded as day one or day two picks. Eight of them are from Power Five schools. Not sure why some analysts consider this class as not as deep for pass rushers. What do you think? I think so. To me, it's more you'll have three or four guys in your top 15 usually off the edge because it's an easy position to project the guys who are going to be very good. Like last year, what was it? Brian Burns, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa. you just like, you could see those guys were good. Like they were good on the football field and they were very athletic. Like those are, that's a good combination already to project. This year after Chase Young, there's not another guy who really ticks all those boxes in terms of high-level production, high-level athleticism which is like the two, the two sort of ingredients that go into an edge defender. No one else takes that box, but I do think there are a bunch of names. And that's why I think you'll see a lot of guys go in round two that usually your round two guys aren't um, like, usually, like I said, you know, the guys are going to be good. This, this year just has a lot of guys with question marks. And so I think they'll drop to round two, but I think you might, you know, some of those guys will end up hitting, you will end up getting good play out of some of those guys. Obviously, we like Curse Weaver and Julian Aquara out of that group and AJ Epinesa, 
But I mean, I, I can see why people would like Caleb chase on Josh Uchi, Etor Gross Matos. And actually, I kind of like Josh Uchi too, but yeah. Dude, I really like why. Josh Uchi. I, I, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit over the past couple of weeks, but like I went back and watched. I really do like what he did against Tristan Wirfs and even Jedrick Will. Like you see mm-hmm. some of that ability to like beat good offensive tackles that you just don't see. Like I watched back-to-back Jedrick Wills versus Uchi and then Jedrick Wills versus Daryl Taylor. And it's night and day, brother. Like, like, like Josh Uchi can actually you know, press against Jedrick Wills. And like, you know, he didn't win a lot, but he could press, you could tell he could press against Jedrick Wills by Daryl Taylor just is in a different league. I will say Uchi did kind of get, like Wirfs did get the best of. Uchi oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But you just yeah. didn't see players even get close to beating Wirfs. Yeah. Like you did. I, that's where I kind of came in. All right. NBA player comps for the PFF YMCA crew. Oh man. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in here. George is a lot like Rubio. I've heard that before. Ricky Rubio is a good, or like, like maybe uh, who's that? Um, Della Dova or whatever. I feel like he's kind of got that kind of comp. Uh, Steve, who's like big and unathletic. I don't know. I don't know the who's, NBA. That well. Who's the guy who was in? Uh, who's the guy that was in John Wick? He's that guy. Oh yeah, that's, that's uh, I don't know. Maybe Roy Hibbert. I feel like Roy. No, Hibbert. no. Oh yeah, Roy Hibbert's a good one though. All I like Roy Steve. Hibbert for Steve. Sam, there's no NBA player comp. He's from Ireland. He <laughs> barely hold a basketball. <laughs> I got, I don't know if we can even get. Sam's to like the, like one of the assistant coaches. Yeah, who gets I thrown mean, out that, to the court from an Irish league. Like I, again, it's just it's it's atrocious to watch. And then for you, I mean, you got some. You can splash the three and also come inside. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to kind of get a good comp Bobot. for you. Boban, Steve. Steve's Boban. Oh, yeah. Steve is Boban. There you go. And then for <laughs> me, I don't know. I, I'm pretty terrible, too. Like, I don't know if there is a good NBA player comp. I could see. Uh, who knows? Anyway, let's move forward here. I can't think of all the player comps right now. We were thinking NFL. NFL draft comps. Yeah, exactly. All right. Bruce Wayne here. Do you see Isaiah Simmons falling to Arizona? If so, do you believe he can be the answer to their massive issue of not being able to stop tight ends? Yeah, I, I honestly, so my list, my draft, he falls a little bit. I, I can see teams not wanting. I mean, if, if Derwin James fell to 17. Fair. That's what I was going to say. Isaiah Simmons can fall out of the top 10 pretty easily because of like everyone dreams about this scenario where he's in a Derwin James role and he's just all over the place like he was at Clemson. But not every DC is that flexible. And that's, DCs are going to look at him and be like, is he a middle linebacker in our defense? No. Is he a will linebacker in defense? Yeah but we've never seen him play Will linebacker in his life really. And he didn't at Clemson. So and Derwin James was a better prospect. Like Derwin James is a better prospect than fell to 17. I would not be surprised if you started to see Isaiah Simmons slip a little bit because people aren't, you know, there are going to be defense coordinators, like you said, that don't know where they're going to play him. All right. Brett Bertel Hanson. I I think he could, I mean, I think he would work for Arizona. I doubt they would draft him. That was what I'll say. I think they're going to take an off to tackle. All right. Bertel Hanson, which team will choke the most in round one? Oh man. I think you have I to pick a team with multiple one. picks. Pick a team with multiple picks. I feel like is the God. one where you have like the most opportunity to I, choke. I'm going to say this purely uh, because, like you said, they have the most opportunity. The, the Dolphins, if they draft, and because the Herbert smoke, Dolphins drafting Herbert would just like blow my mind if they did. So yeah, that I, that's who I'll say. Judging off rumors, if the Dolphins yes. take Herbert at five. They've choked. Like that's the choke. <laughs> there it is. Um, all right, there, I'm gone here. I, I there. Yeah, they have something just lodged deep in there. <laughs> all right, stop. Goner, who's the best skill position player set for a mid to late round selection, and why is it James Prochet? Ooh, wait. Repeat that question again. 
Yep. Who is the best skill position player oh, set, okay. set for mid to late round selection? And why is it James Prochet? Obviously being a little funny there. All right. So I like James Prochet. He has great ball skills, super physical. He couldn't get open to save his life at the senior bowl. No, and that was not a bad at all. cornerback group. So I am not high on James Prochet, unfortunately. But I like it. Like I said, great ball skills, really physical dude, attacks football well. You can, you'd love to see those sort of things. My favorite sleepers in this class. Like, Juwan I've, Jennings. I've been all over Juwan Jennings and KJ Hill, but they're like slot only guys. Tyler Johnson might fall to day three. I've heard. And he's another guy. It might be slot only, but I, I think he's the best of that group. I will throw some weight behind Darnell Mooney here though. The two lane yes. guy, tiny dude, but I mean, he's just explosive in and out of his cuts. He's explosive with ball in his hands. He has very bad hands, but like he makes nice catches. Like he had him and KJ Hamler have like serious drop issues, but Mooney actually makes more contested catches than KJ Hamler. Like with guys on him, he actually can haul the ball in. I think he just maybe has like tiny hands or something. I don't know what the problem is with Mooney, but he does have bad drops. So I'll go Mooney. So some guys I like as well are John Hightower, the Boise State wide receiver, and then maybe even Tyree Cleveland. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like the guys who like speed at the back end maybe get, can uh, potentially add value at outside receiver late in the mid rounds. I think those are good. James Brochet, I agree with a lot of what you said. Ball skills are insane. This guy catches everything, but like he's going to have a lot of contested catches at the next level despite his small frame. And you think he'd be a shifty guy, really struggled to create separation at the senior bowl. Drew Hart, longest shower. At, who's longest in the shower at PFF. I think they mean taking the longest shower, not like longest in the shower. <laughs> I hope that I, honestly, I don't want to know the answer to either. So um, I take pretty quick showers though, because I don't really, you don't wash your hair. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think it would be George. I would say George is probably George makes the most sense. Yeah. All right. John economy senior in the fourth round Vikings at IOL Logan Stenberg or Shane Lemieux. I know what you're going to say. It's got to be Stenberg here, but what's Stenberg. your call? Yeah, Vikings. I mean, you want some upgrade and pass, bro. And they have a bunch of these kind of T-Rex armed interior offensive linemen who just get tossed to the side. You need some some beef in there, some size, some guys with who can actually hold up and pass, bro. Lemieux, I don't see it. He's another kind of bulldog run blocker type, whereas Stenberg, I think, at least has some pass protecting chops at the moment. So I'll go with Stenberg. From Steven, what are the chances the virtual draft process failing what are the chances that it fails altogether the virtual draft process and is postponed <laughs> to a later date i have a take on this i listen yeah. to the pff forecast regularly recently they had peter king on and he had the most uh, informed take on this of anyone i've heard in this pre-draft process he explained in detail how this is going to go they're going to be on a, a beefed up version of Zoom run by Microsoft that's very well encrypted. They can type in that it doesn't have to be the GM, but the, someone on their staff can type in the player name, the position and the school they went to to make the pick at any moment. If that doesn't work, they have a phone line that they can pick up at any moment and call the New York and say, hey, we are taking Tristan Wirfs, tackle Iowa. If that doesn't work, if they can't figure that out, there's another phone that they can pick up and send it. Like there, there are three redundancies. There are three processes. If you fail on sending a text, you can call. If you fail with that call, you can call a different number. Like it's it's not going to fail. It, it, he said, and I quote Peter King, a kindergartner couldn't mess this up. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's going to fail entirely. I think you might see a pause button hit at some point. And them say, hey, technical difficulty, we're working to whatever. 
but I, you're, there's no way it just like completely conks out and fails. Yeah. All right. If the Lions take from the Logan Williams, if the Lions take Brown at three, is there still potential to land a serviceable starting defensive back in the second? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I, th- I think Noeg Benagadi in the second could fit what they want. I, I think there are corners. There's cornerback depth. They're not going to be Jeffrey Okuda, but I will say the difference at corner, yeah, I won't say it's as big as the difference at defensive tackle or that one's bigger than the other. I do think that Jeffrey Akuda really isn't a class all on his own, this cornerback group. So, All right, from Jacob Miller Russo, if the Chargers pass on quarterback at six, which offensive tackle would you think is the best fit for them at six? And he's got a bonus question. Uh-huh. If, they, if they do pass on QB in round one, which QB in the later rounds should they target? So I think Andrew Thomas um, is the f- best fit for them because they need left tackle. Unless you're flipping by Brian Balaga, I, I think Andrew Thomas would be the best guy to f- put in there, slot in right away, NFL ready in terms of pass section. Later rounds, I think the Jalen Hurts to the Chargers sort of smoke makes sense. Like they have Tyrod Taylor. They have Anthony Lynn who, you know, learned from or was under – uh, gosh, Greg Roman in Buffalo when they were together there and knows how to run an offense similar to that. So I, I think that could be the route they do end up taking in this draft if they don't, you know, the, the injury thing with two or the, if the Dolphins trade up and get them. From Adam Pietrowski, wide receivers who would fit the Ravens offense the most, excluding the big three, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Okay, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I've always said LaVisca Chanel makes sense for them as well. And that's something they don't have. Uh, I think you just need sudden guys, guys who are, and, and guys with some ball skills to make some contested catches. So Levis, I'll say LaVisca Pittman, probably Ayuk makes sense for them also. There you go. All right. How many from dirty dogs NFL? This is a tough question. I was asked this on a radio hit and I, I had no idea. It was a new Orleans radio hit. How many LSU players go in the first two days? It's so hard to kind of count them all up, but what's your take? Okay. Let's see. Definitely Joe Burrow in the first two days. Yep. Oh gosh, it's gonna be fun then. Because <laughs> uh, if we're just doing first round, I can count that up. Let's see. I got, I got Joe Burrow, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, Patrick Queen, Justin Jefferson, Caleb on Chason, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Damian Lewis, Lloyd Cushenberry. I would lock those guys in. Nine are locked in for the first two days. Wow, that's a lot, man. Could be. You could. I could see Sadiq Charles, and I could see Thaddeus Moss. So we'd get up to 11. I'd say. Thaddeus Moss did get an invite to the virtual draft. To the virtual that, guy, draft. that guy could be coming off the board top of day two, yeah. <laughs> if we're honest. All right. From uh, Luis Enrique, do you think Jordan Elliott is a fit in the Lions scheme? Same question for Jalen Rager. And what are the best fits for wide receiver into your defensive line on day two for the Lions? That's a lot of questions, but just handle them all here. Yeah, I think... I mean, I think anyone, anyone that can rush the passer right now is a fit on the Lions interior. They got nothing. Um, and, and I think Elliot's a little diverse, more diverse than people are giving him credit for and what schemes he can execute and, and what he can all do on the football field. So I do think Elliot would fit for the Lions. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, I like a vertical slot. I'm not exactly sure how they utilized their slot receivers last year. Uh, I, I don't hate the idea, though, of pairing someone else with what they have there in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, getting them a third option and someone that brings that to the table, the pure speed and vertical threat. Now, does he make it to the where the lines are going to pick? Probably not. Sam Chase, 
How does Tua's left-handedness affect teams' evals on him, if at all? I don't think it should. Like you, they're, they're really that's, that'd be crazy to me to factor that in and be like, you know what, that left-handedness drop down a spot. No, that's <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah. Um, from this Connor Haley, or where it actually matters. From Connor Haley, what's the best strategy for the Patriots in round one? Man, I, I think trading back is my what I've come around to for them. You got a lot of different needs defensively. They don't have a second round pick right now. So just accumulating. And, and I think they're a roster that minor rebuild. And in a minor rebuild, you just need more players, more cheap players. So uh, I think trading back, and I have them going Josh Uchi actually after trading back in the upcoming mock. All right. I have a scenario. Again, listen to the forecast with Peter King. Peter King said that there's a chance that the 49ers return the favor after getting Jimmy Garoppolo for a steal with the New England Patriots and help them in some way, shape or form trade up to 13. That's what that's what Peter King was saying. He said a situation like them trading the 49ers trading down from 13 to 23, those 10 spots in exchange for Joe Tooney. Talk about that move or that the potential of that move. What's your opinion of that for the 49ers and that for the New England Patriots? That got me all excited for the draft. Like moves like that that you just don't, awesome. you don't think about until they actually happen. Like tough to predict things. Like when the bank, that'd be like when the Bengals moved back 10 spots and got uh, Cordy Glenn. And then that never worked out at all. But I, I think this would be a little bit more beneficial, mutually beneficial in that 49ers desperately need a guard. Patriots really don't want to be paying guard top dollar right now with where they're at. And so move up, get a better player, maybe get a Jerry Judy in the mix there for the Patriots. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I would think that'd be a very mutually beneficial trade. Interesting. I like, I it. mean, 10, 10 spots to get a top five guard in the NFL right now. And, and when George asked Peter King, after he outlined this scenario, and if you're going to listen to someone, Peter King is one of the most well-connected journalists yeah. in the world. Like this guy knows what he's hearing. He asked, would that be seen as kind of a returning the favor? And Peter King says, yes, like six times. Yes, yes, yes. Like that I found very interesting on the forecast. All right. Joseph Akdar. Realistic value for possible trades during the draft. Evan Ingram. Let's, I think this is a good t- uh, a good okay. opportunity to talk on this. Evan Ingram, Trent Williams, Leonard Fournette, Anthony Harris, Jamal Adams, question mark. And then I'll even throw Joe Tooney and Chris Jones in there as well. I mean, it, it's, it's a good opportunity to talk about these guys. Okay, so first one was just go one by one here. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, I'd say third round. Trent Williams. Trent Williams, I'd say early second. Leonard Fournette. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it's just no. Like I, we talked about this off air, but like we were like when we were preparing for the draft show. Like, would you want to trade for Leonard Fournette? Like, would you want to would it be, put your offense in a position to give Fournette fifteen carries a game? I would say no, like ten times out of ten. It would have to be like the Brock Osweiler trade, where we'll give you Brock Osweiler and we'll also give you a draft pick and <laughs> just get him away from us. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's where I sit with Anthony Harris, the Minnesota safety. Anthony Harris, I'll say a second. Jamal Adams. Say a first. And then uh, two more. Joe Tooney. Second, right? Second, yeah. And then uh, Chris Jones. Chris Jones, I'll say a first. 
I mean, that's back I, end, I would love I would love to Mid see first it. for Adams with, back end of the first for Jones with all this projected doom and gloom about Zoom making things so difficult for this NFL teams. I would love to see a, a record number of player trades just because like that would just rock everybody's world with like Fournette, yeah. Trent Williams, Evan, all these guys going when like they, everyone thought it'd be more difficult. But actually, you see a, a significant. And I love the idea of using players to move up in the draft, not even get picks in exchange, but just literally swap yeah. picks and move up. I, I think that's a very interesting concept. All right. Scott, Eric Jonas, how come we don't have more draft boards leaked from the past decades? I don't know. That's interesting. I think they just keep the, they keep those under lock and key, right? I mean, teams don't yeah. let their draft boards go out. And I feel like sources would be obvious. I don't know. That's, I mean, I, I haven't thought about that question a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you burn a draft board though, you're the guy that burns draft board. You like it's, it is really kind of a tight knit thing. And if you're a pariah and someone figures out you're like a snitch, you get you're out like it, yeah. that's how you get out of the boys club so i i'm not surprised that we don't see more of that all right this is from edna beast mode in the draft guide you have edge is one of the top needs for the seahawks their draft capital history is higher on edge than any other position if aj terrell or Diggs were available would you take them over aquara that's a good question and i appreciate that he reads the draft guide hmm uh i love cornerbacks they're <sighs> I think Terrell could play in the slot. So I, I would take Terrell over edge at that point. I don't think Diggs is necessarily a slot. So uh, just because you're not going to have the guy see the field year one. So uh, yeah, like I said, I'd take Terrell over an edge, but maybe not Diggs. All right. Single most dominant game of any prospect this year. I want to answer this one too. Oh, single most dominant. Damn it. I need to think this one through. I mean, Chase Young, any week you flip on the tape. <laughs> I was going to say Chase Young is probably the most obvious because he probably has three or four better games than any prospect in this in this class. Uh huh. Yeah, Chase Young against gosh, what was the one Wisconsin? One of them. Yep. We just Cole, like Cole Van Lannan just got absolutely buried. Yeah, it was a brutal, brutal game. Um, Joe Burrow against uh, who was it? Florida was awesome. That was the game that convinced me. It was like twenty-two or twenty-five. And just like, and I think two of his incompletions were perfect placed and just broken up by the DB. He, he just like, that was the most pinpoint game I saw from a QB in recent memory. I was going to say Jordan Elliott had some dominant games, but I can't remember. I don't know if they'd be the most Matt dominant Buki against Ole Miss was great. Uh, Derek Brown against Florida was great. Man, that was, there there have been some fun matchups for sure. I, I feel like I look at dominant, like my favorite games are usually like Michael good Pittman, back Utah. and forth. Oh, yes, that's a good one. I'll go with that one. Michael Pittman just yeah. pooped on Utah. And he, we talked about that game specifically. He said, I don't know why they didn't have Jalen Johnson come cover me because I was just just uh-huh. wrecking kids. Like, I don't, and I don't know why Jalen Johnson didn't cover me either. Weird. All right. Dennis Cordzin Lacour, um, he says, most weird quarterback prospect, Jordan Love or Anthony Corden? Most weird? Um, dude, Jordan Love to me is <sighs> – it's it just so such a crazy prospect that a guy could have almost as many picks as TDs in this day and age. And we're talking about someone maybe in the top 10 drafting him. It's just, this is like, it's blowing my mind, you know, yeah. that that's, that that's where we're at in quarterback evaluations. All so. it takes is one Patrick Mahomes comparison for people to get excited. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's where we're at right now. All right, Adam Ellis, I don't know the answer to this one. Does anyone at PFF have tinted windows on their car? 
That's such an, I don't know why that question would come in. I drive, I ride a bike to work. I don't so, so I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a car. Uh, I don't, I don't think anyone has tinted windows. All right. Harry, maybe if anyone. Oh yeah. True. Uh, where's the farthest you guys think will Tua will realistically slip? Farthest. We think he realistically slip. I mean, I could see, I could see him go into the twenties. I could really see him going to the twenties if like a lot of teams are just the injury is came back bad or whatever. Like the the medical is not something we want to take a chance on. So I think the twenties. I don't think he drops out of the first round though. Dude, if he drops out of the first round, absolutely he like doesn't get drafted. Yeah. Like twenties would be so crazy to me. All right. Uh Jared Lenahan, two questions. Who's the hardest player to evaluate throughout this process and why? And then more personally, if the Panthers trade back from seven. Rumors are true. What do you think the ideal trade scenario is for them? Trade partner, compensation, who do they pick? Let's start with the hardest player to evaluate. Okay, hardest player to evaluate. Some guys I've gone back and forth on. Denzel Mims. I just, his tape doesn't match the senior bowl or the combine. That one just like blows my mind. I don't know what to do with him. Henry Ruggs, similarly, where it's just like, there's no production. There's no deep ball. There's so such little production down the football field, which is what you're paying for. Usually when you pay for speed is guys that can get open deep. We haven't seen that from him. So 427 speed, we don't know what that's going to look like when C is in a role like that in the NFL. So Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, a wide receiver. And I think AJ Epinesa on the edge at Iowa, just so unathletic, like that level of yeah. athlete being that good. Is like scary. I don't. I don't know what that's going to look like once he faces you know, NFL level athletes on the offensive line. I, I can't believe you didn't mention this one, but Tyler Johnson. I mean, because his tape is awesome, but then, oh like, no, that one's know, more just like I don't know what the hell everyone else is thinking. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's a weird. It's weird because like his tape is awesome, and then just like this, it's so weird how people are evaluating. People are dropping him down boards because they're hearing things. I don't know. It, it, his yeah. his evaluation has been very interesting. All right, if the Panthers trade back, what's an ideal scenario for them trading back? I liked at Denver getting back down to fifteen, and then maybe still scooping up one of the better defensive players in this class. I think also they one they are a good trade back candidate. The sneaky good Carolina, where they're at and where the draft's going to fall. The other one is that the that would make sense for the Bucks if they really need a tackle and they do really need a tackle. They start they they then jump every tackle needy team in the Jets, Browns, and Cardinals that are in front of them. Evan Kinsey, can you see more trade compensation being being traded? for next year's picks due to the uncertainty of the COVID situation. I'm going to say no, but your call here. Yeah. I mean, the, the saints only have so many picks to give away. So outside of them, <laughs> <Stop. I'll see. laughs> Oh man. All right. Uh, let's move forward here. The horror mailman. You mentioned previously that Tua consistently went to his first read and that was concerning in his development. Would that explain why Henry Ruggs wasn't targeted more? I, I think that's a good question, and I think that what hmm. does answer part of it. Because Henry Ruggs wasn't, I mean, there was so so often that Judy or Devontae Smith was kind of first in the progression that maybe Henry Ruggs going deeper down the football field, maybe that's why he wasn't targeted more. I don't hate that question, Mike. No, I, I just, well, I don't think so. Uh, I, I just, I don't think that's why he wasn't targeted more. I, I don't think he was targeted Ruggs. He wasn't put in the role that was the guy who was, sort of the first read, which is like, that's the concerning thing is he wasn't the guy running the go route in that offense. He wasn't the guy that, you know, was first in progressions. Why wasn't he like you, they, they can evaluate, you know, Nick Saban. I don't, I trust his ability to evaluate talent and put guys in the best position to succeed. Why is he not putting 
why is he putting Devontae Smith in that role and not Henry Ruggs was the question that is more worrisome. All right. Shout out uh, Broken Nick G. He's got no questions. Just wanted to say keep up the good work. Discovered you all last month and love the work. Shout out. Thanks, Broken Nick G. We'll keep it up. We'll keep it up. DNA fit. How do you think Simmons could fit on the Saints if slash when the Saints trade up? <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> he knows. Uh, some have him as a mic. So some see him uh, so he can slide next to Davis. I, I guess where do you see him playing if the Saints did or when they trade up for Isaiah Simmons? I, I mean, I just think Will, weak side linebacker. They have kind of a lot of options of middle of the field guys who can play slot, guys who can play underneath zone. I think you just his versatility would fit in in that defense. I don't know. I, I think that is kind of like the missing role is the weak side linebacker in that defense. All right. We got to get faster here. Drake okay. best fit for Jordan Elliott Packers in round two question mark. Yes. Love that fit. I love Marlon Davidson and Jordan Elliott Packers in round two. Wonderful. With the exception of the QB position. And this is from Austin Pasquale. How should you approach drafting for need versus best pick available in the early rounds? So I think it's like a tiered system is how I would like look at it. And you tier guys kind of before. And so if, if a guy in a certain tier is at a position that you need, go by all means, go draft that tier, go draft that guy that's at that position of need, but don't dip below that tier of players on your board just because you need someone there. A la the Bengals and Billy price from Samuel. Who do you believe has more of a chance at success in the NFL, Herbert or Love? And how far could Epinesa fall? I guess let's rephrase that to what is his floor kind of pick in the in the draft? So I could I could see Herbert. He's higher on our board just because I think he'll go to the NFL and like he could be all right. Like he could be Ryan Tannehill the first handful of years of Ryan Tannehill. But I just don't see. I mean, I think the chance of becoming an elite quarterback, I'd rather take on Jordan Love. But both seems really low to become an elite quarterback. So, and on to AJ Epinesa, I don't think he falls past like 40. Like the, the athletic thing, yes, massive, but you get down to the top of the round two, which I've said, I think is going to be edge heavy. You have teams like the Lions, the Giants, that could, the Panthers, the Dolphins, all could use edge right there at the top. And I think one will end up taking them. All right, from Christopher Sorensen, he's got two questions. Who's the most underrated player in this draft? And which team do you think will use their draft capital the worst? We kind of already answered the second question with the Miami Dolphins. So go first question <laughs> here. Who is the who is the most underrated player in this draft? Jordan Elliott, Tyler Johnson. Is it Tyler Johnson? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That one's tough because I, I don't know where these guys are going to come off the board. But if Tyler Johnson goes day three, Tyler Johnson. I mean, I love Jonah Jackson. I think he's one of the most underrated tier offensive linemen. But I've heard some people say he's going to go in the second round. So I have no clue where the NFL is going to fall on these guys. But I guess I'll say... Tyler Johnson, because I think he's closer to that top group of wide receivers. No one's really putting them there otherwise. From Bartolones, what is the best real case scenario fit for the Raiders if they decide to if they decide to double up on receiver like PFF Steve has mentioned? Real case scenario, best one. I think you go CD Lamb at 12 and then Jalen Rager at 19 if you are doubling up. That would be sexy. From Vice. Two questions. Why hasn't Steve gotten a GM position yet? And best wide receiver fit for the Eagles? Steve hasn't gotten a GM position yet because IQ isn't finished yet. And that's true. That Steve will understand. Um, what was the second one? Best fit for wide receiver for the Eagles. And do not say T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, please. Best fit at wide receiver for the Eagles is Jalen Rager. Yes. 
Thank you. I, I'm all T. Uh, Steve in his latest mock draft had T. Higgins to the Eagles. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? No ways. I can't the, believe it. That's, that's why Steve hasn't got a GM position. Yeah. He's trying to try and get go guys who have like 1.8 10 yard splits on the Eagles roster that desperately doesn't need that. All right. From Nathan Krenz, what spot do you think the Packers could fit? Could draft Ben Barch. I like that for the Packers. Yes. Also, is, is Sam like is Sam Barrington a good comp for Kenneth Murray? I don't know who the fuck Sam Barrington is. No. Sam Barrington was an old Packers linebacker who was awful. He was from like UAB or something, I want to say. I don't think that's a good cop. My cop for Kenneth Murray is Jared Davis, who Packers fans should know and also love for his play over the years. Um, I think 94, if Ben Barch on the table there, oh, run in that, that card. Fire. That would be I any pick in the 80s, like if you starting in the 80s, Ben Barch needs to be coming off the board because I really yeah. like that pick. 62, I wouldn't even that. hate. For the Packers, I mean, you could slot in right away. Uh, maybe not a tackle. I mean, I think I think you could slot in right away, a tackle, right tackle. There, they don't necessarily need him too, though, so they could develop him as well. From Yakim Von Gratz, why are you so high on Julian Aquara? So he's a freak athlete. Like he he what made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. He was in the top twenty last year. He supposedly ran like in the four fives at six five six four two fifty something. Has over thirty four inch arms. Already, you know, he was sixth in the nation in 2018 in terms of pressures. And yes, he runs hot and cold and doesn't play with consistent leverage in the run game, but I don't care about the run game. I want pass rushers. He has all the tools to succeed as a pass rusher and has shown the ability to do so already at the college level. So, David Taylor, does Grant Delpit project better as box safety or deep safety? Definitely deep safety. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you just don't want him around tackling. At the moment, I think he can develop into a better tackler, get a little stronger. But yeah, right now, just a slot deep kind of role for him is best. I tried to go back and watch Grant Delpit's tape, and I said, I'm going to go into this with rose-colored glasses about the tackling. See if I like, oh, man, that was a tough angle, and you still can't do it. Like, the tackling's just bad. Yeah, like, I just I like to turn off his tape once the ball like is caught. caught. Or <laughs> That's it. There you the go. play is over. All right, Thomas Daly, best wide receiver fit, obviously in the second round for the Los Angeles Rams. Best wide receiver fit for the Rams in the second round. KJ Hamler would be fun. Now, yes. Now I, 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 they need juice, man. They need yeah. juice. You got a 4-5 guy in Robert Woods. You got a 4-6 guy in Cooper Cup. Could use a 4-4 guy at that point. So him, maybe Brandon Ayuk would be fun too in that offense. Those two guys. From Mike underscore NYY. Is Isaiah Simmons a lock for the gold jacket jacket like that half of Giants fans seem to think? Or could there be some issues transitioning to the NFL in your minds? I, I personally think you can't lock Isaiah Simmons. You can't be comfortable about, about Isaiah Simmons projection to the point where you think it's going to be a Hall of Famer. Because like like yeah. you said, the positionless player thing is 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 hard. It's a hard transition. See, I, I think he has a high floor, which is at least a solid coverage linebacker in the NFL. I don't see his floor close to that of guys like Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Jerry Judy in this class. Like those guys, I feel like their worst is going to be a very, very good football player. I think Isaiah Simmons could have a rocky transition to just a traditional linebacker role if that's all you have him doing. But he also does have ability that could be in the Hall of Fame someday. I really like this question from Klaus. With 7-11, to pick 7-11, all mentioned as trade-back candidates – 
how many teams do you think will actually be we willing to trade up? I feel like we always say like they could trade back, they could trade back, but it's also very difficult to find a team. I will say dumb enough <laughs> to yeah. kind of trade up for a non-quarterback. Confident you know? enough, confident, Conf- enough confident enough in their own projection of a non-quarterback to trade yeah. in those spots because you have to think by seven to eleven. Though we don't know about the Tua situation, that teams will not be trading up for a quarterback unless it's Jordan Love and surprises everyone. But that seven to eleven slot, like you're going to have to count on a team being okay, confident enough to trade up for a non-quarterback, say a C.J. Henderson or one of the top three receivers or an offensive tackle, I, I, I agree, you know, he says, would there be enough teams to want to trade up? Could all five of them trade up? Bucks, Broncos, Falcons, Saints? Who do you think is coming up? Yeah, so I do think in my upcoming mock, I have three trades in that, and it's the Saints coming up, the Broncos coming up, and, oh, fuck, I can't remember who the last one is. I can look real quick. Who's the last one I have coming up in that area? I also have the Falcons coming up to get CJ Henderson. So three teams I have projected to come up in that area. I mean, and those would be all good trade down situations for the teams that are coming down for sure. All right. Casey Young, would Andre Dillard be offensive tackle five in this class? And did the Eagles make a mistake going after a deeply flawed upperclassman despite pass blocking strengths? No, they didn't make a mistake. I think he's still fine. And I think, yes, he'd be offensive tackle five in this class, but that would be like where they, where they ended up taking him. He'd be like a top 20 player still. We have five top, we have four tackles in our top 14. So I, I don't think they made a mistake whatsoever. And I think it was really good foresight because now they have a starting left tackle and they're not pigeonholing themselves into having to trade up this year to find one. I like this question from Backcountry Family. Would it be crazy if the 49ers traded up for Tua and unloaded Jimmy for other picks? Would the smoke around Tom Brady that is resurfacing have more to it when we might think than we might think? Ooh, that would be that would be a move. And oof, I just don't see it because of the high risk, high reward. Like you went to a Super Bowl with a quarterback. That convinced the Rams to like throw the barn at Jared Goff, you know. Like the the going, it's not like the Chiefs who had multiple first round exits and then they're like, screw it, we're done with Alex Smith. We need to, uh, we can't, we need to get better than Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. You just went to the Super Bowl and barely was were one throw away. And yes, it was the guy as your quarterback that missed that throw, but you trade up for Tua and he gets hurt, and, or like he just never plays or stinks. You are out of town as GM. Unfortunately, you like this is just the safer route. Stick with Jimmy G at this point. All right, from Ben Tickle, with the pass interference calls in college being non-existent, is the cornerback position harder to project to the NFL than other positions? Yes, I actually, I hate, that was like the DeAndre Baker thing last year we kept saying, if you followed us all during the fall, we're like, dude, he just never had to run with wide receivers the way he does in the pros because he used to just hammer them. And it's sometimes it's the same thing with safeties. You'll see him just be in off coverage and be flat footed, knowing that, Hey, this guy starts to go vertical. I can just, I can just knock the shit out of him. Trayvon you see guys, yeah. You see Cameron guys Dantler. play stuff differently at the college level. And then you just can't see how good their hips are. You don't know how well they transition. You don't know if, how well they can, you know, tone that down. So it does make it difficult. Yes. I, and I think and it that is. is why, and that is why special movers to quote bets, all 22 go so high because if yeah. you have special movement skills, hip fluidity, those things, you're going to be covered at the next level because that's a better, you know, more predictive or more indicative of the success you're going to be able to have in the NFL than being able to stick with guys down the football field when you're hanging on their jerseys the entire time. Yes. All right. Since the saints could vary, oh, this is from Nola, Bama. 
since the Saints, his his AVI, I think, is a, a logo uh, or AVI is a logo of Alabama and the Saints. Interesting. Since the Saints could very well trade up, trade up this, you know, their first this next year, who are players they should target higher in the draft and some they should not? Yeah. So I, I said Isaiah Simmons, I'd love if they went and got. I, I think I I wouldn't personally target Javon Kinlar or Derek Brown. They might because that's a place where they are weak at. Uh, so I would say if you're going to target someone, target uh, Jerry Judy or Isaiah Simmons would be who I'd go up and go get if they start to slip. From Mike Tapas, with the reports that media is way off from how teams have their boards, what are some guesses at big first-round surprises as players who will go oh, way later man. than media expects? Way later. Okay. Uh, we've always been talking about way earlier. Guys like... CJ Henderson maybe creeping up into the top eight, whatever. So way later is an interesting one. I think we already said Isaiah Simmons. There could be a fall on him. Teams just like don't want to have to figure out a role for this guy. Want to go a little safer sort of pick. So I think Isaiah Simmons could fall. Um, I think one of the top wide receivers. I don't know which one. I don't think it's going to be Henry Ruggs. But CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, I think could get down to like 20, something like that. I think you could see that. All right. This is uh, from Creature Comforts. Should the Niners be aggressively in on Tua? This is another Niners Tua question. And then is Ruggs the wide receiver equivalent of a toolsy quarterback and lessons learned from the misses from your previous misses? So the Tua thing we already touched on. What was the second one there? Sorry. uh, Is Ruggs the wide receiver equivalent of a toolsy quarterback? Yeah, I think that's that's a good that's a good comp or a good sort of parallel. I do think he is like, it should work. That doesn't mean it will work. You know, it's like, it should be able to come all together. That doesn't necessarily mean it will with rugs, but the dude, the dude has elite sort of physical capabilities. That's for sure. And then lessons learned. I think we try to outline those as much as we can, like during the fall on on the pod. And we get a lot of positive feedback from that. We get a lot Mm -hmm. of positive feedback saying, Hey, we're willing to talk about us being trash. You know, it's like, I feel like not enough analysts. This is such a, and I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here, but media draft analysts, not predictors, but evaluators like, you know, us, the draft network, other, you know, others that like, or Dane Brugler of the athletic, you know, Josh Norris of Rotor world, like guys that are trying to evaluate players for their talents. Do not talk about enough how they're wrong. Like, like you, we are wrong all the time. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that we do a good job of. And I think we need to continue to do a good job. It's just like, Hey, like when you have definitive ass statements, like this player is just bad and all that stuff. Like you're just like nine times out of 10, like there's just a bigger range of outcomes than that. Like I hate yeah. definitive statements with the draft. Like this guy's going to be like outside of like, this guy's going to be fast at the next level. This guy's going to have be very athletic at the next level. When you're like legit predicting definitive roles and stuff for players, like you mm-hmm. get into this world, of like, dude, you're going to be wrong nine times out of 10. And, um, but go ahead and give me some lessons learned from this. So I think definitely speed at linebacker being important, speed and explosiveness at linebacker being like the premium traits or things that translate to the NFL at that position, uh, speed at cornerback to a degree as well. It's just slower guys. You've got to be perfect to be good at speed and length and size at my, at cornerback being like a lot easier to get by when you're you know, six foot with long arms and four, four speeds. It just gives you such a leg up at that position. Um, and then I'd say separation versus hands and ball skills at wide receiver. Just give me the separators. Instead I of throw, I throw one more in there for me personally. And I think you've coached me up a lot on this, but I feel like I've fallen in love in the past 
with cornerbacks that play the slants and the hitches very well, that play the things in front of them very yes. well without overvaluing the, the deep, the down the field play, you know, being not getting beat deep, not hanging on guys, drawing pass interferences. And I think something I've learned is like, don't fall in love with the Hamp Cheevers of the world. Make sure they can stick with yes. the guys on the back end or they're simply not going to have success in the NFL. All right. Really and then the last one is just running backs. I'm not really giving a shit. Fair. Totally. <laughs> fair. Give shit All, right. <laughs> All right. Simon Davies. If the Dolphins like Herbert more than Tua, why not trade out of five? If there is a market for the pick, look to pick up Herbert at 18. Who between five and 18 can you see targeting Herbert and who else would trade up to 17 or higher to pick him in your opinion? My take on this before you go is that when you like a quarterback, you have to take him as high as possible. <laughs> like you, like you, you're not in a position that you don't, yeah. it, it is a losing strategy to say, we are very confident that Justin Herbert is the second best quarterback in this class. And we're going to trade down and see if we can get him at 18. That's just a losing strategy. Nine times out of 10, you're going to lose there. If you feel confident that Justin Herbert is a franchise quarterback and you're willing to take him at five or 18, you better just take him at five because a franchise quarterback is worth five picks, five, 18, 39, all the ones you've got. Yeah, if the team's in between there, I could see the Jaguars pulling the trigger on a Justin Herbert or someone at the quarterback position feasibly. But I don't think anyone, like they really are. And I've had this take, like I could see the quarterbacks falling because there's teams aren't desperate anymore. There's not a lot of teams that are really desperate at that position right now. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't hate. So I, I wouldn't necessarily trade back from five, but I would I wouldn't hate just drafting someone there and hey, if, Justin Herbert is on the board at 18 and you think that's a better, you know, like the players sort of opportunity cost of who else you draft versus Justin Herbert is low. Then go ahead, draft Justin Herbert at 18, but I wouldn't trade back with the intent of then getting Justin Herbert later. If you like. All right. Two questions from Mark full here. Day two should teams with a linebacker need prefer Willie Gay or Kyle Duggar. And then Mark full also asked how many teams should not consider a wide receiver in round one. I think the only team that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe, I don't know. Like every other team should probably consider a receiver in round one. It's just that good of a class, but you go ahead and take the reins. Yeah. So gosh, who would not consider a wide receiver? That one's just, you got to go through every single roster of every team in the NFL. I'm trying to think of like, who's just like complete at wide receiver right now in the first round that you just wouldn't want to take one. There's not, I don't see a team that like wouldn't, benefit from one whatsoever now it might be a slot receiver like you're the falcons you're the bucks you're the lions you already have two established dudes it's going to be your your third guy that you bring in but every, like people run three wide receivers that's base nowadays so i don't think no one is completely set at the wide receiver position and then the other question the linebacking debate willie gay versus cal duggar i just think willie gay has played linebacker you've seen him do it cal duggar is a massive, massive projection at this point. He's also already kind of old. He's like 24. And so I just, I think he's a pr- more of a project than I'd want right out the gate at linebacker. Whereas Willie Gay, you've already seen him do it. Two more questions. And then we get to the email questions and then we break here. Wyatt West, why are you so low on Justin Jefferson? I, we've said this a bunch and I, I almost hate bringing it back up. Cause it's like, I, I think he's a talented. I wrote player. an entire article on it. I mean, I wrote an entire article about, about what I think you're going to say. Go ahead. I, th- I think he's a talented player. Like he's 32nd on our board. I think he's talented. I it's like the risk assessment aspect of it. Like you're not, you're not using a first round pick on a slot only wide receiver. So few teams are, it's just like that production. And even what he did at this year at LSU, a lot of it 
was not going above and beyond the call of duty in terms of like, you throw me, okay, not me, you throw any college wide receiver in for maybe, well, well, how much of his production do you think? Uh, Two thirds of like those dig routes and those over routes that were just him sitting in the soft spot in the zone. Over two thirds. Yeah, just like a ton of his, you know, 1500 yards, over a thousand of it was just anyone else in America, any other wide receiver in America makes those plays, like makes that catch. So that's the concerning thing to me. He did go above and beyond when asked to, but it was just so little of his game that uh, I'm going to be hesitant to put him that highly, you know, in that top 20 conversation. All right, last one. Let's get to the email questions quickly. How good can Daryl Taylor be from Connor Lee? I think he's just solid. Like I, I don't love, I don't think he has this massive ceiling. I think he's just kind of capped out, but he's a brick of muscle. I think he's going to be good in the run game. And, and I think you'll get like, kind of like a poor man's Brandon Graham uh, as a pass rusher. So I, I think that's, I think that's a, a guy who can start for your NFL team right now. All right. Quick message from the sponsors of PFF. Use promo code draft 2020 to save 30% off on any of PFF's annual subscriptions and gain access to our 1250 page 2020 NFL draft guide. Jeff Rackless 2020 fantasy rookie scouting report, our interactive top 250 big board and PFF's new and improved player grades experience with new look data visualizations and advanced player production grades for every player in the NFL. You can have it all with PFF's edge or elite subscription. And remember, promo code DRAFT2020 saves you 30% off on any of PFF's annual subscriptions. All right, email questions. A little bit of a note here. In the future, we're just going to have you send out a tweet and we're going to read down the replies. Because the emails have been tough because I'm getting a ton of emails. It's a busy time right now. But I try to get as many as I possibly could. Let's run through these. There's some, they're a bit longer, too. And that's why I kind of like Twitter is a little bit better there because they kind of keep them under 160 characters, whatever it is. So starting with this. Would you pick a guy? This is from Martin, by the way. Would you pick a guy like Kenny Robinson Jr. at pick 90, where he's ranked on the PFF board? Or would you wait longer knowing that teams or or, or assuming that teams um, won't be valuing as high because he's coming from the XFL? It's a rare situation. So there's like two parts to this question. One is if the guy's pick 90 on your board or rated 90th on your board at pick 90 the chances of all 89 guys ahead of him being drafted is like zero. So like some guy ahead of him will be on the board. So realistically, if he's 90th on your board, that means he's probably going to like pick 100 or so. You're going to feel confident drafting this guy. Um, but I would pass on him also at probably pick 90 just because like, yes, that, that's where I'd value him his talent wise. But I, I do think he's going to fall down boards because of the leaving college thing because he played in the XFL. So I, I think you get him in the fourth round pretty easily in this class. This one coming from Ben. We heard all about how the late rounds of the draft were going to be more of a crapshoot since teams weren't able to do the pro days deep scouting for the guys outside the top first, you know, the first four rounds. Does that mean the savvy GMs will be looking to trade late picks this year for late picks next year? If you can get a fourth in 2021 in the 2021 draft, which you've scouted more deeply for the for a fifth the fifth this year, wouldn't that be a smart move for just about any team? It's a complicated question, but I kind of like it. That's a smart move any year, though. It's like if you can push that draft capital sort of where it's a better pick, but in the future and you don't have to, you know, the sort of time value of money proposition. If you're not a team that's ready to win right now, that's not a, that's not a, what's the word that like doesn't apply to you. The time value of money then at that point, because you want the guy cheaper and the window you're going to win. So yeah, I do also think though, with not being able to do your homework on these guys, it will be 
it will be the round six, seven will we'll be way more of a crapshoot than normal. It'll basically be the same thing as UDFAs this year. Hey, from Josh, do you think the Redskins should t- would take the Jaguars number nine pick and Ngakwe for the second overall pick? Interesting question. Ooh, um, no, I don't think so because that's just the whole paying. Like the, we, you could go out and sign. Jadavion Clowney also, if you really wanted an edge rusher. You could go sign Jadavion Clowney and Chase Young. They don't need another edge rusher, really, though. They got Montez Sweat and, uh, gosh, the Purdue guy, Ryan Kerrigan, already there. They don't, they don't need that much, you know. Okay, moving forward here from Gavin. I know you're not high on guys like Herbert, Derek Brown, Jordan Love, Chase on, but where would those guys fit best in terms of scheme and team fit and draft value? So he's, he's in other words, would you make you what would make you say that's a good pick for players that you're a bit lower on? Okay, so I, I, I think like that question. That's a good question. Herbert, if he goes to the Colts at 34, I'd be like, hey. That's actually interesting. Like he gets a year to sit behind Philip Rivers, and then you see what you got there if the Colts long term. I'd like that pick. It's not going to happen. Derek Brown, uh, if he fell all the way to the Saints, 24, and, and they draft him, I'd love that pick. If the Jaguars got him at 20 instead of nine, I'd be like, that's fine. That's where I'd take Patriots him. So, at 23. I'd like Patriots yeah. at 23 for Derek Brown. Jordan Love, uh, again, like you're a team at the top of the, I'll say the top of the third round. You could use a quarterback. You're the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford's getting old. He just got hurt. Bad injury. Let's see what we got in the future. Washington Redskins, third round. It's, you know, you don't, it's, if he's a third round pick, he's not going to threaten your first round pick from last year, but just a little insurance. Keep taking shots at the board. Chase on, uh, again, top of the second round. I said, there's a lot of guys in this edge class. There are a lot of teams in need of edge there. You were the Miami Dolphins. You don't need to win right now. The guy's not even 21 years old. He might not be great right away, but in two years, who knows? He might be. And that's kind of why we do this, but you're not worried about recruiting your draft value right now if you're the Miami Dolphins. So that's where I would take him. All right. Uh, this one's from Connor. Just want to ask regarding my Packers. He might be a stakeholder as well. Uh, yeah. my, pa- my Packers. Shareholder. <laughs> shareholder, whatever the hell it is. Bullshit regardless. Uh, my Packers first round pick if at 30, all the first round value wide receivers. So all the guys you think are first round talents in this class are gone. Okay. And would be stuck with the choice of Ayuk, Hamler, um, Maybe another receiver, second round type of receivers. Where should they go at thirty? If they can't, if they if the value does not make sense for receiver, where should they go at thirty? Don't go receiver. Then. I mean, shit. Like that's it. Shouldn't be that hard. Uh, I, I think you could go. You can go defensive. Uh, gosh, defensive line. I don't know. Defensive he said line. he likes. We have Jordan Elliott, but he he'd said he likes the idea of cornerback. Uh, I do like the idea of cornerback also because they need a slot. I think Jair Alexander can drop down a nickel. That That's your easy sort of, he can be that guy in your defense, the Chris Harris Jr. to where when you're in base, he's outside, uh, like, and then he's your nickel. Like he's not leaving the field once you go uh, and you can feel, fill the slot. And then you have, I don't hate the AJ trail fit. I'm not sure if he'll be there. Uh, guys who are good in like off man coverage, they play a lot of in Green Bay or off sort of like man concepts. And Jalen Johnson also would make a lot of sense for them if they do want to go that route. This is an interesting one from Luke. Do you like the idea of the Bengals trading down? Maybe with the Dolphins taking a tackle and a couple other players no. to support the quarterback. <laughs> Run Finley out on the field this season, tank, and then take Trevor or Fields next year. I can't believe I I, I have to say no. No. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, my friend. Because yes. I, I feel, and Joe Burrow is, 
not so not so much a burn in the hand as compared to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, but I feel really confident about Joe Burrow's selection. You don't know where you're going to be picking next year. You don't know what's going to happen with this team. Like you have the first overall pick, the unquestioned pick there is Joe Burrow. Just do it. Just stop. Just don't take any risks. Like, there's no reason to take a yeah. risk because if you take yeah. Burrow and he sucks, everyone thought you should take him. You're not going to get a ton of flack for taking Burrow and he sucks because everyone and their mother thinks he's the they, right pick. They pass on Burrow this year. They lose fans. Like yes. legitimately lose fans. All right. 100%. People have to get tattoos redone. Like that's how bad. <laughs> All right. If there are a few, if there are a few QBs, blue chips, and the tackles that we like, Thomas works Wills taken before the Browns pick at ten, and Simmons is left on the board. Should they take him yes. and hope to find a guy at forty-one? Trade for Trent Williams. Yeah. I, yeah. Hundred percent. You don't just like pigeonhole yourself into one spot. That's how you draft bad players. So yes, you take him. All right, and he, he had a second part in there. I, I kind of like this one, too. Is it better to twist Andrew Berry's arm to trade back and go after an Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland? No. They're yeah. so Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons there is at 10. Is there at 10, and you don't like any yeah. of the tackles available. Stay put and draft Isaiah Simmons, because that dude's awesome. And I think if Joe Schobert's gone. I, I really like that idea. All right, this is last questioner. Brandon's the last questioner, but he has three questions for us, and then we'll Got finish it. the podcast. Out of all the prospects that you've interviewed so far, so I guess one's for me, from both the 2019 and 2020 draft classes, which prospect interview skills were you most impressed with? My favorite interview Jerry I've Tillery. ever done. No, it's not Jerry Tillery. <laughs> My favorite interview I've ever done, and this is, I've been doing interviews probably since like the 2016 draft, is Jonah Williams, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals office tackle coming out of Alabama. The guy was awesome. Super smart player. We, we, he sent me his Excel that he was charting like pass rush snaps in. We watched him take, I mean, th- that guy was just awesome in terms of like really understands game, had a chip on his shoulder because everyone was like ripping him for having short arms. Like that guy was just a very, very impressive interview. I also think Denzel Mims was great on the mic. Julian Aquara was an impressive interview. Jalen Johnson, Ashton Davis. Also oh, that's why you were so against. I, I, now I get it. I was like, why is he so against the Mims? And then it was the interview. I forgot. Okay. Stop, okay. stop. Stop. I do like the interview process. Had a good senior bowl, good combine. I don't need the flack right now, but I'm a huge fan of those guys. I, I, bad interviews I won't bring up. I mean, we've made jokes about Jared Tiller, but like I've had a lot of good interviews, though, and I think uh, Jonah Williams, though, is up there, the one that's r- r- really most memorable. Number two, comparing the 2020 draft class with the 2019 draft class, how would you say Drew Locke and Justin Herbert differ as draft prospects? Of these two players, who would you prefer as your franchise quarterback? Ah, that one's tough. I didn't like either is the thing. I, yeah, I just like, so as prospects, I mean, they were different. Locke had a little bit more like gunslingeriness to him would like give guys chances down the field, but then he was just all over the map. Like he was like a lot more loose and free with this game and then had really bad pocket presence. And then Herbert is just far more robotic and like, here to here to here, no touch on the ball. Not going to give this guy a chance to make a play. He has to be wide open for me to hit him, that sort of thing. So I don't think they're like that similar as prospects other than that. Like I wasn't a huge fan either. All right. Last one. I guess it's a fun one here. Does pineapple belong on pizza? You start. I'll give my take after. Yes. Yes. Same. Anything that tastes good on a pizza, fucking eat it. I, that, that's what, I don't understand why there's this like cult against pineapple on pizza. I think it's pretty fire. I've made spaghetti yeah. and lasagna with pineapple before. It's similar. You know, you kind of, you kind of get a little weird with it. One of my ex-girlfriends was a bartender and this was our, the first thing we ever talked about was I was at the bar and 
talking about pizza or something and talked about pineapple on pizza. And we both agreed that, yes, pineapple. Pineapple and pizza can be pretty fine. I will say that. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the mailbag pod. This was the first one we've done on the two for one drafts podcast. I think it was a huge success. I had a lot of fun. They're definitely going to do this in the future, maybe after the draft. Yeah. Um, after. Go from there, but you will not hear from us. You will not hear from Mike and myself until after the 2020 NFL draft. This is the last pre-draft podcast for the 2020 NFL draft. Mike, it has been a ton of fun. Any closing thoughts? Do you have any closing thoughts before the listeners don't hear us next till after the draft? Your teams are going to get better this weekend. So enjoy it. Your teams are also going to get worse. I'm going to be devil's advocate there. There's going to be some teams that get worse. I'm going to say that Miami Dolphins. That, are unless you're the 2013 Browns and you draft, or 2014 Browns and you draft Johnny Menzel and Justin Gilbert. That's the only time that team got worse. Okay, I'll say this, and I pivot what I'll say. Not all of the players your team picks are good. That, I mean, can we just get on board with there that? Yeah, I feel like every that. year, well, I the, the Raiders. Raiders Twitter was on me when I said the Colt Miller, PJ Hall, and Brandon Parker picks were garbage. Where are we today? <laughs> Where are we today? I, I like the, the the Raiders fans or the team fans that come out in droves as soon as a player is picked to their team. They did not have any affiliation before, but as soon as like a GM makes it, it's like you don't know more than Thomas Dimitrov, you sick fuck. Like this is like the the fans are just wild when their player gets picked. But I'll say this right now: not all the players your team picks will be good. That's all I'm going to hey, say. All right, if you do more, you'd be a GM in the NFL right now, Austin. That's true. That's, that's true. how this works. As that's soon as someone exactly. knows more, they're a GM. <laughs> that's exactly how this works. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Can't wait to talk after the draft. This is it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two for one drafts.